watch this. Hello and welcome back to episode five of the Cookie Jar podcast. I am Tom Mills and I'm joined by Sam Williams. Hello. Cal Wing. Hello. Hi, Cal. How are we all doing? And Sabus Fitzpatrick is not here today. He is decided to go on holiday. Training camp. Not particularly committed. But today we are going to be talking about a little bit about the WGC in Mexico. We're going to be talking about the municipals that are being closing up in Scotland and we're going to be discussing some of the comments that have come out from Brooks Kepka about Patrick Reed. Just before we go on, I think we should start by saying you can contact us on Cookie Jar Podcast or Cookie Jar Golf on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you to everybody who's been tuning in, listening. We've had people from all around the world. And it's been really, really good. I can't believe it. We have people dialing in from everywhere. Oh, thank you for the feedback. Yeah, it's, the um, feedback's been good. Like People are enjoying it. Very positive. People not liking your chat so much, Cal. People didn't like that. One episode in. <laughs> so, we've we've just apologized. Started just started. Um, but you're going to get better. And the thing is, you know, this is never a perfect art. So, you know, keep trying. Absolutely. Yeah, please uh, do get not contact. Man, not many have liked my chat, but it's um, not for everyone. It's nuts, though, when you look at it. Because this, this system tells you where they're listening from. So we've got people like Belgium, Germany, Ireland. Good morning to our friends in Australia. Got a friends the other side across the pond. I mean, pretty incredible stuff. Some posh people in Monaco. Got a few in Monaco. So everything's looking good. We couple just need of to keep super fans. Make sure you tell your friends. But today, or in the last few weeks, there's been this Patrick Reed gate, which seems to be around forever. I, to be fair, we it's fair to say we didn't talk about this when we started out because whilst it's piss poor form, it felt like yesterday's news. But it's just such a hangover, isn't it? This doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I think it's just been such a shock that um, I think it will take a while to go away, really. And um, it's just been such bad news that uh, it's just going to linger around. But what we're going to do is we're going to play a little extract um, from what Brooks Kepka said about Patrick Reed. Bearing in mind they are teammates for the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. They play a lot of golf together. And uh, this is what he had to say. Was he cheating? Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what he was doing, playing, you know, building sandcastles in the in the sand. But, uh, you know, you know where your club is. I mean, I took three months off, and I can promise you, I know if I touch sand, I don't think it's. It's one of those things where you know, uh, if you look at the video, obviously he grazes his hand twice, and then he still chops down on it. Um, it's. I guess you know the Astros are going through that right now. Jim Crane said it, you know. When they, he got asked, is it cheating? And he said, no, we just, you know, broke the rules. So, um, you know, I, I know it, it's one of those things where I don't think if you play the game, you understand the rules. You understand, you know, the integrity that goes, that goes on. And, I mean, there's no room for it. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, too, I think guys – and I'll be honest, I've seen it a couple times where it's like, whoa, I've seen some big names be like, whoa, that's not right. And I've, I've bit my tongue. Um, you know, a lot of times TV, uh, you can't hide from, from the cameras and everything. And, you know, we, we bite our tongue a lot. 
it's one of those things, um, you know, guys have hit it in the rough and all of a sudden they've got three wood out and they're down there patting it down. Um, it's interesting. It goes on a little bit more than people think. That is absolutely scathing. Bad, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, what what is interesting, I suppose, is that you, you're hearing from him that it's going on, but they are not calling it. Oh, I think you look at the read thing. I think the first thing's just, the, I mean, it's incredible. It's like, you know, it just rolls off him. Like, it, it doesn't seem to phase him. Like, the guy got on a plane the next, I think, straight after on the Sunday, they all flew massive charter down to Australia for the President's Cup, didn't they? And, you know, reports are wasn't even mentioned. It's in the news. The, the fact that literally every commentator now on TV, as soon as he's hitting the shot, they're saying the same thing over, over and over again. Eventually, like, fuck, like, that's going to get in your head, isn't it? The thing that really shocks me is just um, just the lack of punishment from the PGA Tour. They've just sort of brushed it over and shrugged their shoulders and that's it. I mean, just sort of golf fans and new golfers around the world, it's just it's just not, not right. It's the first grip. thing you're taught, right, as a kid. I mean, you, you know, it's a game of honesty. Above all else, I mean, this is not the same as football or for our listeners in America, soccer. You know, this is not the same where, you know, people take a dive in the box. This is just unacceptable. And, you know, I think, you know, it's blatantly obvious to anyone who plays the game that you can't drag sand back twice, not realise the friction. I mean... The first thing you do when you get into a bunker and you sort of take your stance, take your setup, um, the number one thing you do is just make sure that club head does not touch the sand. I mean, fairness to him, he wasn't in a bunker. He was in a waste area, and you are allowed to so ground your club in a waste area. Well, you can ground you your club ground in your sand club. now. You just can't ground He's your club when you're addressing the shot. Back. No, no, but, but there's an, I think the it's improving his lie. Correct. It's an improvement of his lie. Whereas actually, if we're stood in a bunker, say it's a fairway bunker, and you wait for the green to clear, you could, in theory, lean on your club in the sand now after the rule changes. But he's, it, it's a clear move to improve his lie. Oh, he's absolutely improved his lie. I mean, that's it's impossible to argue that i think once you've seen the the footage the best bits when it goes mm. over the back as well he actually plays a half decent shot out in the end and the ball keeps running and running it's like karma's just keeps going at him it's just sitting up i mean he's basically got it on a tee it's um the problem is i agree with you Kyle, with the pga stuff like if it's not punished if it's not seen to be punished um what are the juniors going to think you know, the kids that are watching this on TV and think, well, that's okay. I suppose I can do it. And what happens if I get caught? Nothing. Patrick agreed did it. He didn't get punished. That's, I think that's it. Some like, people will have that mindset. We all probably played golf. Well, we all grew up playing golf in the same era. And we were playing in that kind of, really that sort of Tiger era. I'd have been 11 years old when Tiger came on the scene. And, you know, you have to say most of the people out there set a pretty good example. I think, you know, it's probably, you know, there's always room for improvement all the time. But... You look at that now and you think, Christ, if my kid was modelling himself on Patrick Reed, I wouldn't be impressed. Lose a bit of weight first. Yeah. I mean, is that directed at me or is that a hypothetical <laughs> statement? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's for Patrick Reed if you're, if you're okay with trying to be Patrick Reed. For the benefit of our listeners, I could probably do is shedding a few pounds. <laughs> Feedback's a gift. Any of our listeners. Bit of but cushion. I, bit of cushion. <laughs> but then you've got... Uh, Peter Costas recently has uh, has been quoted as saying that during the his career, 
um, reporting on golf that he's seen Patrick Reed pull out some uh, some questionable lies, you know, whether he's gone to it and said there's no way you're doing anything but getting a sand wedge out and then two minutes later he's got three wood on it. Oh, he's gone through the bag. I mean, he's had every club behind the ball and um, he's just improving his lie with each club he brings out until eventually he can... Um, I could get a driver at it. Yeah, he could go, yeah, dog off the deck behind it. It's incredible. I, I think, you know, and also I think, you know, Brooks gets a bit of a, a slating for kind of how he is with the media. I think that's interesting. I think... I don't know. I quite like the fact that he's pretty candid with the media, whether it's partly, you know, creating his own caricature of himself, being this kind of cool, relaxed, you know, I'll just sort of throw anything out there. I just speak my mind. You know, I've, I've kind of earned my stripes on tour, but actually I quite like it. I think it's quite cool. Well, I think it's fully deserved. If someone's breaking the rules and he had every right to, um, to call him out. But he hasn't, people, these people aren't calling him out on the course. And I think the reason is that when you play golf, say, uh, we were playing golf together with a three ball and I see, or use it this way. You see me improving my lie. If you, if we're in a comp and you call me out on the fourth hole, I mean, that's, well, let's call it a two ball. So say there's two of us, just two of us playing and you've called me out in the fourth hole. That's a pretty shitty, it's pretty tough. 14 hours. I've got to play now. That's a pretty shit three hours. You locked in. The thing is, I think you've got to sign the cards at the end and talk to the comp sec and, that's where it's so different in club golf. Like, you just don't put yourself in environments with those people. Like, you know that's not going to happen. It's a game of honesty. You always say, you know, you cheat at golf, you cheat at life. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. Absolutely. You, know, you are, particularly in a, in a club format, you are essentially just cheating yourself. You know, I mean, you know these things, we're not, we're not playing for our own livelihoods. These guys are taking money out of each other's pockets by doing that. You know, two shots. Now, you take that behavior down to what we were talking about last week on the Challenge Tour, and you think, actually... Yep. You know, maybe it's one shot in a whole year, and that's the difference between some dude getting on a full European tour card or not. That's genuinely, you know, these guys are making, all of them are making millions. I'm not saying that just makes it right or wrong, but the impact can be incredible well, I think, at I think certain that just levels adds on tour. The pressure of, of actually doing it, you know, when it's millions of dollars on the line, or, or, or you know, it's the difference between second and third, a few hundred thousand dollars. But if you think, you know, I'll just pat this down a little bit and I might save myself 100 grand here. Yeah, I mean, mm. there's definitely incentive, isn't there? Yeah, well, Which is why it should be punished more. It's they like have theft. A, they have a responsibility and a duty to abide by the rules. And, um, you know, these guys should be, um, you know, be, everyone's looking up to them. And um, that's what golf's all about. You Honesty and integrity. and You know, and, and don't forget, that half the issue here is, I mean, I don't know who's running Patrick's PR. I've got a funny feeling it's the same person who looks after all affairs in his life. Patrick's wife. <laughs> Correct. And there's a good story that we'll probably cut to in a minute. I can see cows like jumping around in his seat as I speak. <laughs> you know, the good PR guy just goes, you were you know, bang out of line. This needs tackling head on and it needs dealing with right this minute. Get out there. You're going to have to, we're going to have to tackle it head on in some way, shape or form that shows like a bit of a kind of, I'm sorry. You know, it's, just completely instead silent. Of, instead of saying sorry, he the just pretends to deafening. be sandcastles in the President's Cup. And he's going nowhere no. near the interviews. But go on, Cal, you, you stop jumping around now. I don't know which story. There's, um, there's quite a few with, Isn't it? with Patrick Reid. Isn't um, it I know. I mean, there's, there's a few that stick out from last year, I think, which was quite amusing. Was, um, so I think Patrick was sort of, I think after he won the Masters, he sort of went through a bit of a six-month um, slump and his game wasn't quite there and anyway obviously his wife used to be on the bag um she stepped away now it's actually his brother it's her brother isn't it 
Um, anyway, I think she still feels that she needs to get involved and whatever, which is, if it works for them, fair enough. Um, but one quite amusing one was, um, so as he's struggling, she's, Mrs. Reed has gone out to, um, and had a word with David Ledbetter sort of behind Patrick's back saying, look, my husband is really struggling with his game. Um, would you mind sort of helping out? Anyway, next day, Patrick's on the range and Mr. Ledbetter's walked over and just sort of paused and looking over at him and sort of assessing things. And he's sort of, Patrick's gone over and go, hi, David, good to see you. And he was just, um, can I help you? And he's, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, your wife spoke to me yesterday. We were, um, she wants me to uh, take a Go look on, at your Patrick, swing and see, see if he can help you. And he's gone, right, okay. Um, so, I mean, you know, it begs the question, where do we go from here? You know, I think there is not a, a man in the land with two eyes who doesn't seize the issue here. So where, where do we go from here? Well, it'll just be interesting to see how that develops over the course of the year. And fingers crossed, there's no more, um, no more incidents. And, but... I think something still needs to be done from whether it's punishment or but the PGA tour is not known for acting on anything no. really. I mean, they, they, they haven't acted on slow, slow play throughout the whole, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they've targeted like a couple of the smaller guys, the yeah. rookies. And if you're on, you the, know, if but, you're on the fringes, these guys will jump down. I mean, who's the guy who got the, he got the penalty, didn't he? With the caddy lining up his putt. Yeah, oh, correct. Yeah. I've forgotten the guy's name. He was a fringe player. It wasn't like, you know, they're not going to come down on top 10, top 20 players. Oh, exactly. They quite happily make examples of um, of rookies and the younger guys. But, yeah, it comes to someone like Patrick Reed. They're just, just you think, well, they're not going to go near do you, do you think if Patrick Reed um, wasn't part of the American side of the Ryder Cup and the Presence Cup, that it would have been a different outcome? I can imagine the flight would have been a bit different. <laughs> I can imagine it would have been a fairly... Fairly juicy flight for gossip and chatting that one through. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to um, fly with the team. He did. But I don't know how, how active he is. In that. Mm. I mean, he just strikes me as a loner. The guy's... It was Hong Tao um, Lee. Ah, Tong Lee. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And uh, from memory, um, he was up there with a chance to win. Yeah, he was. It was, yeah. Final day, definitely. Slap with a massive penalty. Hugely subjective. It's one of those marginal calls where if it was someone like Rory or if it was Dustin, they would have gone near it, would they? Just because his caddy was standing, and there was there was no intention. You could see it. It was um, yeah. no intention. Was he trying to line him up at all? He's just had a look at the line. He's actually stepped away, but maybe he stood there for a second longer than he should have been. But it's just ridiculous. Well, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. It'll be quite interesting to see the uh, see the sort of reception he gets back at Augusta this year when he returns. You know, obviously past champion. There's a lot of Huge amount of ceremonies. Well, he's from that way yeah. anyway, or did his, his um, college golf there, didn't he? In fact, because we're going we're gonna to start talking about Mexico, and I, I really want to get on to, to Glasgow as well in the picks. I think that's really interesting. But before we do, we've got, we've got to tell our listeners, we've got some very exciting news. The next few weeks' podcast are looking incredible. Guys, thoughts? Yeah, we've got some good guests lined up. I mean, we don't want to spoil the surprise. We're not going to give spoilers, but we've got. But. <laughs> but. Well, we've got. A famous man once said, ignore everything that's said I th- before. I think, but. I think we can tease. I think we can tease. I don't can, think there's anything wrong with we that. We can tease. So we've, we've got for you the next month or so someone who's playing in the US Masters this joining year. the pod this year. 
is playing in Augusta in April. He's teeing it up. I can't wait to get him on the pod. The guy sounds like an absolute legend. I'm not going to say any more because our listeners will start to try and... Not only the US Masters. Open. US Open. US Open as well. So, and that will probably have given a few little sort of hints as to who it might be, but we'll let our listeners sort of... Yeah, you you can figure that out. You can do your own research. And we've got a New York Times best-selling author joining us. And again, I'm not going to say who. He's an outstanding writer. Certainly one of the best books I've read in the last few years. I'm very excited about having him on the pod. Yeah. So just cut the uh, population down by 50%. So well done there. Well, sorry. <laughs> but uh, it's all very exciting and um, you know, the pace is picking up. Yeah, definitely. So we're in Mexico. We're playing at several thousand feet, 7,000 meters 7, above. 7,300 feet, feet above, above sea, sea level. level. Where the it's, air is thin and people have headaches. And it's playing at 7,300 yards. But the course is playing about 6'4", right? 6'4". I mean, take, take off the 12.5% for altitude and the course is playing 6'4". It's absolutely nuts when you look at the distances. But I mean, are, they, are, is it, are we talking like 10% further? It's 12. 12.5, they reckon. So I, I, pulled it up on, um, I pulled it up online earlier today. They've got a little sort of like yardage book for Rory based on the altitude adjustments. So I Insta followers have probably seen it. But 60 degree quiz distance. I've seen it. I'm going to step out. Okay. It's going to be like another 15 yards. Yeah, it's like on. One, 118. <laughs> 60 <laughs> degree. 60 degrees. <laughs> and that's not, a, that's, that's, not that's, a, my driver. that's not a skull. That is um, that's f- out of the that's center flush. of the club. That's flush. That's flush. Nine iron. Just a stock. 188. What club is he hitting? 200 yards. Uh, well, he just has to go up to a sort of a two finger eight iron at that stage, <laughs> I think. Absolutely insane. Sam, it's obscene. Um, the, the course looks good. I actually think... You know, for a course that's playing 6,400, you know, that's that's toy time for these boys in terms of distance. And they, they're not getting, well, they're com- not getting, they're not completely dicking over. The combined they? Um, stroke below or above par, yes, they combined for the whole field was over 100 over par. And it's a course that plays 6,400 yards in literal terms. So it just goes to show, you know, the US PGA and the RNA did the report on distance. Not all about distance. These boys are given a shorter course. And they are not ripping. I know. I mean, they they properly got to feel their way around this course. I mean, you can't just bomb it in wedge. I mean, you can if you're getting it up there, but at the same time, very tree lined. Mm. Uh, you got some trouble. You mean miss those fairways and you're under the trees. Yeah, um, it's immediate penalty shot. It's got a bit of a Valderrama feel to it. Mm. Yeah, even definitely. the pros don't like playing at Valders, you know. Small, quick greens. Some there's of the pros won't even go and practice that. They say it's too hard. There's a there's a lot of putts missed. You know why? Not Poana. Poana. They're not Poana. They are Poana. Oh, for goodness sake. That's how they Maybe mess they've it. worn themselves Poana. out on that chat now. <laughs> but it looks good. I mean, look, I mean, that's the great thing about the, I think, the PGA this time of year. This swing, the course is Riv, Pebble, and then, um, what's it called? Um, Sha- Sha- Chapu, like, the, wherever they're playing in, in Mexico. Sounds about right. Circa. And it, it, I mean, the courses are, they're great to watch. Visually, they're great. It's great fun events. They're not stupidly long, and I don't see any difference in the scores. So I think it kind of brings it back to the point on the distance we've been talking about recently. No, I mean, looks like Rory had a great round yesterday, and um, you got Justin Thomas up there. And hey, I cannot tell you how excited I am about Rory. I just, the man is on fire. If he can keep it together, keep that sort of final round together, then, um, I mean, arguably he probably should have won last week. But 
Um, but he was six under in his round. But you can't argue with his golf. It's fantastic. He was six under in his round. He missed at least three shots. He left at least say. three out there. And he's starting to go past. I think he's, he's, he's past Faldo now in terms of time spent at world number one. So I, I think, think he's another week at it. But yeah. Is it one more week? Yeah. So unless Rahm wins and he comes fourth or worse, then he's going to do that. He's, got about, he's got about 250. I think since rankings began, that means he's the third. Third. So he's I think 250 words, weeks. Seconds Norman, right? He's got 250 weeks before he gets to Norman. Then he's got another 300 weeks before he gets to Woods. Could be a pretty edgy five I mean, years. Yeah. How many years till he gets to Woods? 11, 12 it's years? F- it, well, Woods is 650 odd. But he's yeah. wise. And he's got 91, 98 30 years old. Right. He's got a bit of time. He's going to have to bat right through to about 45 oh, there yeah. as world number one. Punchy, I think. I'm not calling I mean, it. But he's just. He can do it. Just looks so composed and calm. He doesn't. Okay, in rear, he looked a bit. It looked like he was chasing it a bit towards the end. But you have to chase it when it's the final day and you need to. Nothing was really going well for him. And you know, you got to chase it if you want to win. And you're going to throw in some bogeys if you're really chasing a golf course. But he just looks. I've well, got we'll such a man crush. It's an exciting. I think it's a. I think it's an exciting time for him. It's a great tournament. You know, season's tying up. It's looking good. We've got a we've got a few Brits out there as well. Looks like Tyrrell Hatton's back from. Um, I think he had a bit of a wrist surgery uh, around Christmas, so he's um, he's back at it. Good to see Westwood up there as well. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy's out there. Tommy's Correct. had a haircut, looking fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got he's an annual haircut. Slightly, it's sort of just below the ears. It's um, not quite as Bee Gees as he was before, but it's. Um, <laughs> It's hard, it's, to, it's hard bit, to recognize if you refined. can't see it down by the shoulders underneath the cap. You know, it's uh, it's making life a little bit more difficult apart from the sawn off follow Cross through. between the Bee Gees and Jesus, someone like that. I saw DJ's beard was looking very thick. It looked a little bit, this is England 86, like very wiry, very <laughs> thick. <laughs> it looked a bit, a bit much. I don't know when Nick Doherty was doing a bit of work with him down on the range, but... Yeah. But no, a very good event. We're we're recording this on a Friday, so we've got very little to offer apart from Thursday. Not and, much has um, changed since Sunday, I'm afraid. And um, we are going to turn our attention to um, some news about some courses in Scotland. So the reason this has come about is that recently um, there have been five courses in South Ayrshire, which for our um, non-geographically enlightened listeners is Glasgow and the surrounding area. Scotland. So it's just Scotland in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Again, for the benefit of those in our southern <laughs> hemisphere That listeners. was a Welshman doing his, um, <laughs> putting for, on his best Scottish for accent. For people who do listen to it in America, uh, the whole island isn't England. There are some other places as well, like Scotland and Wales. Um, and they are closing five of the um, courses in South Asia. And the reason they're doing this is because the council want to save uh, £9 million because they're in a budget deficit of 8.9 and they... They just need to regain some money somewhere. So there's this, to go to throw it to, other, to our boys, there's a problem where they just need to save money and they're closing golf courses. Is that a bad problem? Easy pickings, right? And I think it's such a shame. And I think there's a couple of angles on this. I think one, UK's got a, like there's a real deep history, particularly in Scotland around the game, the traditions, mm. particularly municipal golf. So I think, you know, you know the home of golf, the RNA. Old course and the, and the whole of the St Andrews Links Trust are all municipal golf courses, and I think 
There's a huge tradition in Scotland around municipal what's, golf. What's municipal golf course? Just playing it. So for the benefit of anyone outside of the UK as a listener, municipal golf course is not privately owned. It's not private. You'd have to be a private member to play there. Owned by the council. Anybody, yeah, owned by the council. Anyone can pay money to play that golf course. And pay and play. And everyone's on an equal footing. And right? arguably one of the most famous courses, well, the most famous course in the world, arguably, is golf pay course. and play. Yeah, exactly. Other angle, Glasgow, as cities go, around the UK, is probably one of the most... Um, I guess it's one of the most impoverished. It's one that, you know, it's got an extremely high crime rate. Um, all the stats that would go along with that are not good. And I would argue, as a, as a massive golf fan, as I'm sure we all are, and probably if you listen to this pod, you are as well, I think it's a great sport. I think it's a brilliant sport for youngsters to get into. And I think if you take away municipal golf in those areas, you are taking away an opportunity to spend three, six, nine, 12 hours a day in the summer doing something that keeps you out of trouble gives you a life skill and something that also brings you on, you know, in life. I, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, many life lessons you take away from the game of golf. You know, as we were talking about earlier, it's honesty, integrity, and, you know, it's uh, it's a social game as well. For me, I found that, so I was quite late to the game of golf, started at the age of 28 uh, when I used to be a teacher. And I used to find that I wasn't in a position when I first started playing golf that I was going to, join a golf course that wasn't where i was at i used to go to the local muni and go to the range and go to the practice green and i could because it was there you know i wasn't being looked at and saying are you a member here was, no i'm just just hitting some golf balls and trying to learn how to play exactly and i just think it's a shame and i think you know I, you know we don't work in city council i don't know the numbers but you know it's nine million what's the offset of then you know what does that actually save in terms of crime and you know use going into other things and other things like, you know, knife crime or drugs or anything like that. And actually, is it giving people, you know, activities and things to go and do that? You know, I think there's a really safe argument with that somewhere. Um, and I don't know, I feel worse as well. You know, it's Scotland, Scotland's, you know, you know, all over the world. Scotland's renowned for a few things, battered food, whiskey and, and golf. And I don't know. I just kind of think when you look at Glasgow as an area, you've got some of the best golf courses on the planet nearby. You've got Prestwick, you've got Troon, you've got Turnbury. There's so much tradition around the area with the game. And there's so many good golf courses in Scotland you've never heard of. Oh, yeah. Just so insane. Good. Well, we were putting some up on the on the Insta, weren't we, this week? Like Brora, because... Kilmarnock Brassy. Oh, class golf course. Just unbelievable. unbelievable. No, one's, no one outside of, you know, that sort of area, hardly any people have heard of it. Incredible track. Sad days. I had to throw my Kilmarnock brassy jumper away actually today. It's <laughs> no longer fits. <laughs> so there's a theme in this pod somewhere around my weight gain. But just so to, just to throw a few stats out there, and I'm, I'm going to be talking about England only because it just um, it's just where I got my stats from. Since 2014, um, there's been a drop in golf courses from 1,929 to 1,888, which is a 4% drop in golf courses a lot of those are in scotland this is in england only but a lot of them are in scotland as well It's a huge issue around a lot of them closing i think in scotland specifically as well okay in that time the population in england playing golf has gone from 971,700 to 979,500 so it's increased by eight percent so you've had a drop in four percent of golf clubs but an increase of eight percent in playing uh, membership now this kind of begs the sele- begs the question, really. Is this a case of golf course natural selection, where they're actually we are getting rid of the the dross golf courses and and putting more members into the the better ones? 
I think it's a good question. Is it becoming more of a pursuit for middle class people who want to be a member, who want to be weekend golfers? And are we taking away the grassroots part of the game? Um, and, you know, also then where are some of those golfers coming from? Because it's interesting. You think 8% increase in playership and a decline in, in, in number of courses. You know, it doesn't, doesn't add up, does it? But what it sounds like is that most golf courses don't have a full membership. And, you know, you need a full membership if you're going to keep the golf track. Run. Again, municipal slightly different because it's council run. But for the privately owned golf courses, you need um, full membership if you're going to keep the course running and up to scratch. And if you don't get it, then you're going to fold. And also, we've got a really different model in this country. So, you know, our friend and our friends and our listeners in America will look at this completely differently because there are some golf courses anyone can play. Those are municipal golf courses. Beth Page, really good municipal golf course out in New York. Fantastic. It's all grass. Yeah. Is that just the one course there, or have they got... Oh, it's tons, aren't they? They've got a, a good handful, Yeah, they're they? all colour-coded, aren't they? I mean, yeah. obviously, black's the, black's the favourite one. Are they colour-coded for, like, ski slopes? Is that, yeah, I, I think, think, I think black idea. is treated very much, enter at your own risk. Yeah, yeah. But is, <laughs> yeah. It, is, it, is it explicitly to be like ski slopes? I think so. It's a huge complex. I've got a feeling that, that you know, there's... I don't Maybe know, some more American listeners can, can fire over to us on um, that at... Uh, cookie jar golf on Twitter. But then Instagram. there's loads of courses you can't, physically cannot get on, and that's totally different to the UK model. The UK model, there may be a few that are uber private, but the vast majority, even all of our open venues, anyone can turn up and pay a green fee. And I think for a lot of people around the world, that's just like an unbelievable luxury. They can't believe that you can turn up and play, I don't know, like Royal Birkdale at £250 or go to Turnbury and pay and, and pay the green fee there. Well, Trump Turnbury is now a lot more expensive than it used to be. Yeah, obviously. But... um. Just going with the uh, the sticking with the stats, I've got a final stat for you here. That although playing membership has increased by eight percent, the participation of children in the last uh, ten years has dropped from um, for five to ten year olds has dropped by 03 percent, and from eleven to fifteen year olds has dropped by two percent of children playing the game, which I think is just sad. Well, it's killer, isn't it? I mean, it's grassroots. If you haven't got the kids playing, you're you're not you're not getting anything. And I, and I think that's the thing that we've got to, you know, look at. Yeah, and I it'll, think it'll come in phases. I think um, there's other things out there that will compete with golf. And um, I mean, yeah, going back to what we're saying, it's um, you've got muni- municipals and startup courses and all of this shutting, then um, it does have an effect. But I think most courses you see around these days, they most teams have a pretty solid junior section. There's a lot of um, and fair play to the PGA pros out there who um, who are doing sort of junior camps and junior coaching at the weekends. And well, Rob Rock does a huge amount, doesn't he? So not far from us, just just north of Birmingham, he's he's got some good pros on his books as well, hasn't he? Well, he's obviously coaching. Yeah, you're right. So he's, he's still doing playing. all of that and playing as well. Yeah. I mean, he got you remember he he's shot, a hero. Shot some insane score in the Irish Open last year, didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah exactly. But he, and as you say, yeah, he's got his. Robert Rock sort of junior academies and there's um I think he's he's pretty much got monthly tournaments they can all enter Westwood for different age Rock groups now. and is Westwood on with Rock now? Mm, not sure. I think Westwood might be wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong on that one. But um, just while we're on the PGA uh, the PGA pros, there's a guy and I, I apologize if I got this wrong already. Thomas Devine, Thomas Devine was the guy that was um came out last year in the summer as being um. Like, I do not give a fuck what kids wear as long as they're on the golf course. So we had like hoodies, jeans, didn't care. And he was like, I don't care what they wear. We can teach them how they dress and we can teach them the etiquette later. But as long as they're swinging a club and they enjoy it, they should be there. 
And the interest is the main thing, isn't it? So, you know, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this goes. Like, maybe it'll go in phases. Maybe they'll come back. My experience tells me that in the UK, once you start giving over land, it typically ends up in the land in the hands of sort of private landlords who turn it into private residential or commercial buildings. You know, there's some brilliant courses out there. We talk, you know, about golf courses. You know, if you tell me what's the type of golf you enjoy playing the least, it's championship, par 72, hotel-owned, parkland, golf courses with a water feature on. I bet you there are amazing municipal golf courses up and down this country, some of which are completely and utterly forgotten about. And I think, you know, it just begs the question, is there, you know, what's the role of that in the future years? Well, I think there's some highly celebrated championship golf courses that if you asked some of our American listeners or some of our listeners that aren't from the Midlands, you know, what courses do you want to play in the UK? And they come back at you and say, Belfry. Every time. I mean, what, the Belfry, yeah, it's had the most Ryder Cups of any I don't course. know how high up that is anymore. Oh, I, I think, think it's, it's still, still in then. the top 100. Everyone but wants to hit 70 shot down mad. the 10. It's mad being in the Midlands and someone says to you, oh, you play golf. Have you played the Belfry? And you're like, yeah. I've been bored out my tits. Garbage, it's mate. It's absolute garbage. Like, you know, there's a municipal near us. It's called Licky Hills Golf Club. It's actually quite an interesting, cool, quirky, fun layout. You can go out and have some fun around there. You can play, get around quickly. Absolutely. There's so you much can more have a few fun. Beers. You know, and it's like, I don't know, Lynx Golf. There's so much land on the shore that's not fully tapped in the UK where you can just drop a golf course in quite easily. Well, here's an interesting one. So, I, uh, a couple of years back, played up at a, a golf course called St. Bees. Any of you boys have a chance to play St. Bees? Never heard of it. Okay, it's, it's owned and operated by a school, the St. Bees School. It's in Cumbria. And it's a Lynx course. And it's nine holes, but they've got two different tee boxes, which are miles away from each other, so you can play 18 holes from different places. The, the, the financial model is there is a shed as you get onto the first tee, and you can walk into this shed and you fill out an honesty piece of paper and you drop your money into an honesty box and you go play it. Like, how cool quid. is that? And there's no, there's, you know, there's quite a few like that. I remember, um, Ireland's littered with them. Thing on tour, I think, um, doing a little Welsh tour, so sort of Royal St. David's and Abu Dhabi. And there's a couple of tracks, as you say, like that, municipal yeah. courses where they just operate on pretty much through an, an honesty box. And one guy's like and an artisan that sort of like goes out and does some exactly. of the work. You know, one day might be going out and picking up sheep dung. The next day's out cutting the greens. And but they're um, they're brilliant layouts. I mean, you really have to think your way around. Yeah. And for like learning sort of shot making and everything else, it's just they're fantastic. It's just so much more interesting than standing on the tee and thinking, right? You know, how big's the signpost by the tee that tells me this is another four hundred and thirty yard par four over water, and this is where. You know, I don't know, the PGA pros once teed it up. I just think that's dull. I think it, it's it's not exciting. Some of these places are really cool, well-crafted links, just really quirky holes. And, of course, you've got so this new sort of thing that's coming out in the, in the UK. I'm not sure if, it, if it's well-known other, other places, but there may be many other clubs that offer this, but I know Somerset Golf Club are starting to do it. Um, one pound membership and then pay and play. The idea is you, you remember for, for your quid, you get your... Yeah, access to a handicap and then you can play as you want and that way you can make as affordable or, or I mean I'm sure they do other types of membership as well but you can make as affordable or unaffordable as you want to make it and it, you know that's where world handicap system is going to start to come in because the whole thinking is everyone can then have a handicap they can be so I think some steps by the by the RNA are really positive I think you know 
bringing that in is going to be useful. Just got to have the courses right. So I think the point was, it's concerning the trend we've got in terms of course closures. We want, you know, the game needs to be as accessible for as many people as possible. And if that means that there's, you know, more municipals with honesty boxes, I don't see that as being a bad thing for the game, What you know, whatsoever. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, long may it continue. And obviously sad news that a few um, are having to close, but that's just that's just how it goes. But um, they can stay open and um, operate through honesty boxes. Fantastic. And while we're on to a world handicap system, it's all going to change in the next, uh, well, it's November for the uh, British golfers amongst us. Um, we're all of the opinion that our handicaps are going to change slightly. Cal, do you have an idea what yours is going to go up or down? Uh, I think I'm going from five to scratch. It's <laughs> just going to go straight down. Which, um, are you planning on shooting par at any time to do that, Cal, or is that oh, just going to happen by oh, divine intervention? In my sleep. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because I happen to know that uh, a certain Sam Williams has calculated exactly Whoa, what he's going to You can't be. chuck this out on here. So well, for those of you that aren't going to know, it's far it's, too much time. I love the guy who's flexing his biceps in the mirror in the morning. <laughs> There's uh, how it's going to change over is from instead of uh, for, for the for the British version where you play and if you don't buffer, you go up point one, and then if you you come down by a sort of a point of your category or whatever. You it's going to go by to, point two, don't you, shot? I would come down by point two because I'm category two. Um, still a single thing, handicapper. Um, but how it's going to work in the future is the best eight of the, of the last 20. So um, Sam has just kept a very honest... I just want to know where the numbers are at. Out of interest, where, where did you come out? So it's lower. So I think, it, I don't know, the, the RNA reckon that About if 17. you... Yeah, 17, just, just just under that. Um, the RNA reckon your Category 1 golfers will probably come in slightly through it. I think maybe that's a, that's a reflection of consistency or something that you're supposed to have in that category. Anything then up to about 12 or 14 will stay largely similar. There'll clearly be some fluctuations depending on trend of the golfer and, and where they're at in that, that patch. And then higher handicaps will all go up. I think the highest handicap goes up to is it 54. It's something obscene. The highest one, I mean... Can you imagine getting three shots on a hole? shot allowance in a match play tournament, 54. I think the difference in shots are going to change insane. as well. insane. Like, All credit to the uh, 54 handicappers out there. I mean, a, 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 um, a good friend of mine has always said, round. grown men should not receive two shots on a golf hole or a shot on a par five in, stroke play, in a match play event. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. But you know, people have got to start somewhere. And if it's 54... So be it. Hang on. What do you mean you can't get a shot in a par five? Well, and match play. I don't know. You know, I think, you know. No, we're taking shots wherever they come. I do not care what the par is. Oh, well, anyway, I think there's some truth in two shots on a hole, but anyway. Okay, before we go today, guys, got anything planned this weekend? Yeah. So I think we've got a few little tours between us. Yeah, so I think me and Cal are going down the shore, aren't we? I've got... I'm going into Wales, so I've got my passport packed and everything. I'm off down to go and play a little bit at... Uh, well, you can save your money because you have to pay to go to the bridge anymore. Ah, okay. Well, that's good. Good to know. Cashback. Um, and they don't charge you coming out either anymore? Nope. Oh, charge has gone completely over the Sun Bridge. So going down to uh, Rawporth Call. Um, hosted the Walker Cup back when Woods was an amateur. Really cool. Some great pictures of him on the walls there. Senior um, US Open. Senior, senior, Sorry, senior, senior open, open, not the champion. senior US Open. I think. <laughs> <laughs> senior Open. Senior British Open. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, doing that and then going to watch Wales play France down at Millennium. Cal? 
I am off to down to the Kent coast, so um, down to Deal, Royal St. Ports. Um, there's four of us going down there, sort of 36 holes of foursomes tomorrow and a bit of single Sunday morning with um, a bit of lunch in between and whatever else. So that'll be, um, I think we're looking somewhere between 25 mile an hour and 40 mile an hour winds, but... Um, Apart from that, I think it's dry, so it'd be good fun. There'll be plenty just of be nice um, not getting just playing in rain. Oh, like absolutely. Sand sand based courses like that, it's just a dream. You no, know, we'll it? um <coughs> pack some two iron stingers in the back pocket and um off we go. Quick question for you. Links. Harder in the winter when it's cold, possibly raining more likely, ball's not going as far. Or in the summer when it's hard, bouncy. Hard. Summer. Hard. You think it's harder? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I mean you're. Um, You've got any sort of softness on links, it's it becomes it's a fun. Bit it's just target golf, but certainly in the summer when the ball's running, um, you've got to take that into consideration, and you're sort of you're almost clubbing backwards, just trying to run it in there. Yeah. Uh, same off the tee, you're sort of running, and you can get up to sort of a hundred yards worth of run, and you know you're running off into the um, these little pot bunkers and everything else, and. Links, links I know this is off topic. Links Ruffs bunkers up. Are, are what bunkers should be. They are shot penalties. You're in them, they're pots, you get out. It's like, you're not, it's not like the PGA bunkers where you go in them and you're thinking, yeah, I can still make the green from 200 yards. Yeah, I mean, they're the perfect defense, aren't they? They just work brilliantly. The fact that you can, you've got to be so careful on the line and the fact that the ball runs for like a fortnight when it lands, it's just so dangerous. When as soon as you hit those fairway bunkers, you, you're absolutely dead. And then some of the courses, the green side bunkers, are just unbelievable. Like the depth of them and the complexity to get out. And well, when 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 Tiger won around Hoylake, he was he was famous for never taking a wood out of his bag. Yeah, he was just like nodding two irons and one irons and whatever else he was doing. Holding four irons from middle of the fairway and thirteenth, twelfth. Yeah, I think so. Don't forget 12, that. Don't forget as well, when you won, won at St. Andrews, I think it was oh, five. Might be wrong. We'll have to stat check that one. Otherwise, we're hitting the yellow button on that one. Um, didn't go in a fairway bunker. Didn't go in a bunker all week around the old, which is just unbelievable. Is there a lot of bunkers around the old? Yeah. I mean, it's just like to, no, not, go, to not go in a bunker for an entire open. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. Just a minefield. Pretty special that. I mean, it is. It's like, it is like. Like ducking like landmines. But it's it incredible. is straight out, straight back. Mm, true. Playable. Very playable. Good fun. Good fun. Um guys, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Thanks for the thanks for all your feedback as we say and uh have please, a good week. Please do give us some more feedback. You can get us on at Cookie Jar Golf on Instagram and Twitter, or you can get us on email at cookiejargolf at gmail.com. Please do get in touch. We really appreciate all of your support and we'll see you next time. Have a great weekend. Adios. Watch this.